This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome. You're here live with Dr. Jeff, where we're here this morning or this afternoon on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, as well as my Instagram Live. And um, got a good show for you today. Lots to talk about. So uh, we're here for you. We're here for your pets. So easy to get a hold of me. You can, well, good old-fashioned way is 877-385-8882, toll-free. But better yet, you can join me live here on Pet Life Radio or live on Instagram. Pet Life Radio, you go on to PetLifeRadio.com, click on Shows, you scroll to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, there will be a Zoom link left for you. Hopefully, we'll have an easier time getting you onto the Zoom link that we did last week with our special guest, Dr. Jan Bellows, but hopefully, you can do it. It's actually pretty easy. Anyway, as you know, I like to peruse the news. Also, we're going to talk about something that we've been seeing. It was a story that came on. I realized, you know, this is really something good. So for the second half of the show, we're going to talk about some issues with pet poisonings arise in some of them. It kind of led me to think about, you know, there's some things that I've been getting. Actually, this week, just actually one of my air vet calls was a panicked owner whose dog got a hold of a grape. And a lot of stuff on the, on the internet, you hear about grape toxicity. It's real. But a grape for a 40-pound dog didn't seem to bother me. The dog is doing fine. And, you know, I go back. It shows you just how much we don't know as well as how much we do know is that Years ago, I mean, before this all started happening, I used to give grapes to my dogs as treats. I mean, for years, and they were all totally fine. So we now know that it's not every dog. We don't even know if it's most dogs. It just might be some dogs that have whatever this hypersensitivity is. And because there's no way to test for them, that's why we say, you know what? Let's just eliminate grapes and raisins. But really, how serious is it for the regular person? Who knows? Anyway, couple of stories that, uh, that caught my eye. First of all, do dogs sense loss? I think absolutely. There's a study um, out of Italy that showed that surviving dogs' behavior, surviving dogs in multi-pet households, changed after the death of another dog in the household. And the dogs became less playful, slept more, sought more attention. And so, you know, having read this, it just brings to mind, when I started vet school, we had two dogs. We had Thor, my dog that I'd had since high school, went to Berkeley with me. He was a big, beautiful, a gorgeous black Labrador. And then as he was getting older, we, you know, we kind of, I was working at a, at a vet hospital, actually the vet hospital I started working at once I graduated. And um, one of my friends from vet school, actually his older brother, her older brother, had a yellow, a black lab. He was wanting to breed. So I talked to a friend of mine who had this big, magnificent yellow lab, another veterinarian, and we used him as the stud. And we, because we put everything together, we got one of the pups. So we got this puppy, named him Woody. And Woody and Thor, basically, by the time I got to vet school, we had both dogs, finished my um, first year of vet school, would come home for the summer. I worked at the hospital. And then that summer, Thor passed away. Now, what my wife and I used to do is we would drive up in two cars because we were home for the summer. So she would take one, I would take the other. So when Woody came home and we didn't have Thor with us anymore. He ran into the house because on the drive up, it wasn't unusual for him to be by himself. But as soon as he got back to the Davis, he ran into the house looking for Thor. 
and Thor wasn't there. And he started sniffing and walking around from room to room, and he realized that Thor wasn't there. Each one had their own bed in the living room. Big, big bed. One was Thor, one was Woody. And Woody would never go into Thor's bed. I mean, that was Thor's bed. And he walked into Thor's bed, sniffing around and like gently walking on it and started to cry. It was so sad to see how much he felt the loss of Thor, as obviously we all did. But I would like to hear from you and from our listeners here on Pet Life Radio. What is your experience? And we're going to talk to other, we'll talk about other things, but just chime in. What is your experience with having had multiple pets and one passing? And how do the others react? Now, I've also had some cases quite the opposite. If the one that passed was the alpha and, and the very submissive beta, right, was now alone, boy, I've seen them thrive. Oh my God, this is great. That big boss, the bully wasn't even here anymore. Again, it can go both ways. It can go, but I have found more often than not that dogs absolutely do feel the sense of loss when they are alone without one of their others. So um, again, chime in here. I'm, I'm reading your little comments here on Pet Life Radio. Join me one, again, 877-385-8882, or come on live and join me here on live, Pet Life Radio, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Click on the Zoom link, and I'd love to hear what your experiences are. I think it's very important uh, you know, as we learn more about our dogs, their sensitivities, and how they relate to us and to each other. Very important. So another study that also caught my eye, and again, I've seen this, they were studying two breeds, and they obviously they extrapolated from this, but signs of heart disease can differ by breed. So let's talk about one of the more common heart diseases, mitral valve insufficiency. Very similar to people too, it's mitral valve. Here's what I thought was interesting. Miniature schnauzers are more likely than Yorkies to be diagnosed with the disease at young, at a young age. But when they are, their symptoms are usually like fainting, we call syncope, and uh, episodes of pure collapse, where all of a sudden the oxygenated blood isn't getting to the brain and they literally collapse. On the other hand, when Yorkies have early signs of mitral valve insufficiency, they simply cough. So what happens is when we have coughing dogs, this dry hacking cough, it sounds almost like a lot like a kennel cough. What we see is that the heart enlarges because of the, the insufficiency. The heart is pumping more. The heart's just a muscle. It's smooth muscle, but it's a muscle. And it gets larger. Sometimes either the, the ventricles get larger themselves or just the, the thickness, the heart itself, the musculature thickens, gets bigger. And what it does, is it starts putting pressure on the hilus, the area that the trachea comes down and splits the carina between the right and left main stem bronchi. So now it gets pushed up. So instead of a nice grade of um, starting up here, the trachea and coming down into the lungs, the, the main stem bronchi, what happens is now it comes this and because the heart's pushing it up, it goes like this. So now at that area where the airflow is having to make that bend, that turn, what we're seeing is almost think of the snake river with the snake river now like this wasn't, didn't start like that. It was just more of a mile. But as the, every time the water would turn the corner, turn around in one of the bends, it would erode and erode and erode. Well, that's what happens in the trachea too. So the airflow erodes the surface, it gets irritated, and we start getting what we call a tracheal cough. It really wasn't, it wasn't a respiratory problem. It was just a simple heart enlargement pushing up on the trachea and causing this coughing. And that's what we see in Yorkies. So um, again, if you have dogs, if you have a Yorkie, 
starts coughing, hacking, not exposed to other uh, to other dogs, not going to doggy daycare. You can't imagine how we would have gotten kennel cough, right? Have your dog checked out by your veterinarian. There is a chance that we have early signs of heart disease. Now, um, remember those Western lowland gorillas I reported on last week, just before we started talking to Dr. Bellows, they're all COVID positive. This is a great story, obviously. So it was at the Dallas Zoo. They tested positive for the, for the Omicron variant. Not one of them, not one of them showed any clinical signs of disease, which is great. And now a week later, not only no clinical signs, they're all tested negative. So once again, they didn't get vaccinated. So it's interesting that how certainly primates are going to get it. But again, it is felt that one of the zoo employees, the zookeepers working with the gorillas was the one that had the COVID, gave it to the gorillas. And fortunately, the gorillas are doing fine. Um, no treatment. They, um, they are maybe not as susceptible as we are, but they certainly did test positive. But the good news is they're doing great. Now, I'm sure sarcastically, you love to hear these stories. All right. So this is another food recall, but this is a little different. This is the one that kind of grosses you out. So check it out. Family dollar discount stores. Apparently, it's a big discount chain. They recalled not only pet food, human food, pet food, drugs, medical devices, everything they store in their storage units that were contaminated with salmonella and other pathogens because of rodent infestation. So these, where they're keeping all this, storing this stuff in these big containers, there were rats in there and rats leave their mark by what they eat and what they, what comes out the other end. And that was infected with salmonella that could be in not only pet food, that's gross, but to think that it could be in your food too, that's even grosser. So um, so if you shop at Dollar Discount, wherever you happen to be in the country, their storage units were in Arkansas, but they ship out nationally. I would be very cautious if you have food or any of these things, drugs, medical devices from Dollar Discount, take them back. And if your pet is in any way acting strange and has eaten food that was purchased there, Take your pet to your veterinarian and have him or her checked out because that that's pretty pretty gross. And speaking of weird diseases, you've heard of botulism. Okay, botulism is Clostridium botulinum. It is a, a potentially deadly bacteria. We can get it. You ever have an old can sitting in your cabinet for who knows how long, way past the expiration date, and the top of it now is kind of bulging. And you, if you open it, you. Don't eat that food. Do not eat it. Good chance that is a botulism. Anyway, it was found in hay again. And fortunately, there were about a number of horses in Florida exposed to the botulinum toxin, the botulism from affected hay. And um, again, it gets moist. It sits. And you know what they say also? If you see rodents and other species that were eating and living in that hay are dead, then be very careful. Don't feed it to your horse or any of your animals because there's a good sign that these animals may have died from some sort of disease. Anyway, fortunately, these horses were treated. There is a botulism antitoxin that is given. They were treated at the University of Florida, and they are all doing well. So uh, that's good news. And last story before we break, and we're going to talk about some toxins. By the way, please, if you have any comments, anything you want to add to anything I talked about, or anything else that you would just like to talk about, um, now's the time to get me. So here is what I and I kind of talk about this a lot. And it's great to hear that I'm not the only idiot. So social media feeds pet diet trends. That's the headline. So owners, right, customize their pets diets based on what they eat on human diets and the trends that they see 
all over the internet, such as raw, gluten-free, grain-free, vegan, vegetarian, supplements, et cetera, et cetera. And these trends, which are obviously promoted in social media, can often contain misinformation. As I always say, the internet is a great source of information, but unfortunately, it's also a pretty bad source of misinformation. So it's not always so great. Don't always believe everything you read. And some of this misinformation and these trends could have negative, deleterious effects on your pets. And, you know, one thing I always say, do you eat your pet's food? Do you eat their dog food? Right? I hope not. Anyway, so don't have them eat the way you eat necessarily. Can it be done? Yeah. Are we able with our you know, limited knowledge of nutrition, even from a veterinary standpoint, to create a balanced food based on what? So if you're not going to work with a veterinary nutritionist to help you sort of develop a meal, all right, that is not only safe, but is going to be balanced and nutritious for your pet. Don't do it just because you like to eat raw or you like to eat. I mean, raw diets, it was already shown. I had a raw diet on the market. We went through two processes to make sure that that food was safe. We did HPP, high pressure pasteurization, or they call it high pressure processing and freeze dried because that's what it takes to kill off all the bad bacteria, salmonella, E. coli, listeria, campylobacter. So these are the things that are hurting our dogs. So don't think that it's okay just because you want to eat raw that your dog should eat raw. Oh, the argument, well, they did it when they're wild, their ancestors. Yeah, but that was hundreds of generations ago. And there's, there's changed from what we call domestication of pets. We have changed their gut flora from how we have chosen to raise and breed our pets. So what was good for their ancestors, you know, many, many, many moons ago, doesn't mean it's good for them now. So can it be done? Yes, it can. But again, don't just do it because you do it. Don't say, because I am want to be a, a vegetarian, I want my dog to be vegetarian. As I always say, take the two food bowls, take your best, you prepare your best vegetarian or vegan meal, the best, something that your friends like, you like, and then also next to it, put a bowl of meat. Stick them both in front of your dog and see what your dog wants to do. If your dog likes the vegan, then go for it. If it's balanced, it's nutritious, yeah, no problem. But Chances are your dog is going to take a whiff of the sniff of that, go to the sniff the meat, chow the meat down in two seconds, right? Then you know, that answers your question that, yes, I want to be vegan. I want to be veggie, but my dog is a dog and I'm not eating his food. He doesn't have to eat my food. Anyway, with that thought, don't go away. We'll be back after these words. When we come back, we're going to talk about something very, very, very important. And that is the whole issue with toxins, toxicity, things that are happening to our pets that we can prevent. So don't go away. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back to your live on Pet Life Radio. We're just talking about a seven-year-old 
70-pound Catahoula that has been having issues going up and down stairs. And I think she's eight years old. So basically, it's very common. And dogs can get a number of spinal-related problems. Uh, we call it one spondylosis. Uh, there's also a spondylitis, much less common, fortunately, because it's much more serious. That is a severe infection in the end plates of adjacent vertebrae. And it's very hard to get the antibiotic levels high enough to treat that. So that's very tough. But the what we call LS disease, lumbosacral instability, it's where the last lumbar vertebrae meets up with the first sacral vertebrae. And there gets you get too much laxity, and you'll see the body actually trying to bridge to re-establish a connection between these two vertebrae. So they, it builds a bridge that's called spondylosis. Then we can see spondylosis in older dogs. We take x-rays all the time. And it's of, of no consequence. They're doing okay, but they have a number of spondylosis going on along the spinal cord, usually in the lumbar area. And uh, basically it is support bridges that the body is building to help uh, reestablish good support and less unnecessary movement between adjacent vertebrae. Anyway, LS disease, they're very painful. And what we find is that when they are going up, upstairs, up into the car, up on furniture, that's where we're having an issue. Getting off is a little bit easier. Now, if the problem is worse coming down, then I'd be looking at a front limb problem. Because when you watch a dog coming downstairs, jumping off furniture, jumping out of the car, they're landing on their front legs. So then I'd be looking at something in the shoulders, elbows, arthritis, things like that. But more often than not, uh, as I said, it's not as if the dogs read the book and they know this, but more often than not, with these dogs, large breeds, older, they're having spinal problems, lumbar or lumbosacral. Anyway, I saw this report and it just it, it kind of struck a nerve with me because it is so important. Veterinarians across the United States have seen basically a rise in pet marijuana toxicity cases as more and more states have been decriminalizing marijuana and for use and possession. So people, whether it's accidental or, you know, you see some things on the internet that really bother me because it's not accidental. They think it's cute to get their dogs high. Now think about a couple of things. And I can talk a little bit out of experience because I went to Berkeley in the early 70s. Yes, I indulged a little bit in marijuana. And, but first of all, it was only like two, three. You had marijuana, you had hash, and you had tie sticks, if any of you remember all that. But now, oh my God, you can go into a pot store and there are 50 different varieties of different, different kinds of marijuana and different strengths and different amounts of THC. It's so confusing. There are no guidelines yet. There, there, there's no normalizing all of these ingredients to make sense for a pet owner to know what can I, if I even wanted to, give my dog. The answer is you shouldn't give anything. Now, CBD, on the other hand, I'm a big fan of, but the THC, there's just not enough information and we're seeing a lot of problems. And so let me give you, what I want to do is go some of the two or three major toxicities that these pet poison hotlines get calls for. And let's talk about them. So marijuana would be depression, ataxia, which is kind of like a, a wobbling, tremors, muscle tremors, incoordination. Look at their pupils, their eyes. They're going to get what we call um, madriasis. Their eyes are going to be like, the pupils are going to be huge. Hypothermia, that means low body temperature, disorientation. They may not know. I mean, go online, you'll see what people have done with their dogs. You can see them wobbling, they're walking into walls. It's not cute. It's not cute at all. Salivation, of course, and hyperexcitability and also vocalization. So some of them, some will be hyperexcitable and some will be like super depressed and, and wobbly and ataxic. And it depends on the dog and also depends on how sensitive they are and how much they got. Now think about this. Baked foods. Let's talk about the infamous pot brownie. So with a pot brownie, 
when you were going to eat one or are going to eat one, you're going to have a brownie. You might even have a half to start. I mean, edibles, edibles can knock you on your behind. And right, so you, sometimes you get these 10 milligram or even worse, 20. They don't say they look so small and cute. You take one and you're, you're gone for, you know, like, uh, who knows, hours upon hours. So dog sees that platter of brownies and it's sitting on the table. Do you think they're going to break it in half and have a half? Hell no. They're eating the whole plate. So they don't have that same control or knowledge. All they know is, oh my God, my idiot owner left a whole plate of brownies for me here on the coffee table. Boy, am I going to have fun. So they don't know any better. So you have to be really, really, really careful with them because they will and do eat way more than they should. And the effects are really, really bad. So please, please use a little common sense. Okay, here's another one. Still uh, cold in a lot of areas. And when it's really cold, people put antifreeze in their car. When it's really hot, people put antifreeze in their car. Because what it does, it protects against the heat, but it also protects against the cold so the radiator doesn't freeze up. And as you know, if you are parked in a driveway, you park somewhere and you back away, there's a little, often a little puddle there, okay? And there's a pop-off valve. So when it gets hot, some of the antifreeze will come out and it is ethylene glycol. It's very sweet tasting and dogs like it. And dogs like it a lot. And when they drink antifreeze, it is highly toxic. So um, what it does, basically, again, you might see diarrhea, depression, actual fainting, nausea, vomiting, increased heartbeat, again, uncoordinated movements, weakness, and excessive urination, because we find that the ethylene glycol is also a nephrotoxin. It's a kidney toxin. So these dogs will show the signs of that, which is drinking a lot and thus peeing a lot. So, you know, basically what it does, it changes the pH of the uh, blood. So um, it starts to, in a sense, acidify the blood. So now there's something called antidiuretic hormone. And so with the ADH, it forms these things. There are very acidic organic compounds in the blood that lowers the pH of the blood. Remember, anything seven is neutral. Anything lower than seven is acidic. Anything above seven is basic. So it acidifies the blood. And then with acidification, we end up with a lot of these problems. So very, very dangerous. And um, one of the things that people do, they drink alcohol because that will take the binding sites faster than the ethylene glycol. But not saying you should you know, give your dog a, a glass of vodka. So um, you definitely want, if, if there's suspicion, you need to see your veterinarian. That's something that needs to be treated and it needs to be treated somewhat quickly. Lastly, well, we already talked about grapes. My recommendation, avoid raisins and grapes. But also my recommendation is don't panic. I've gotten calls that my dog got into my trail mix and 80 pound dog and there was a raisin in it or two raisins. Or they made a muffin and they know that in each recipe, they put about 12 raisins and they got it away. And what was left, they can count 10 raisins. All right. So, you know, again, I would say, don't listen to me, listen to your veterinarian. But I know I've been in many arguments with some emergency clinics whose clients who got a call from one of my clients and they went in, my clients complained because they spent a thousand dollars or more because of a raisin, pretty expensive raisin. But I would not have gone so nuts. You know, they say, oh, even one raisin. Yeah, one raisin for, you know, a, a four pound chihuahua, maybe. But I know someone's going to get out there and they're going to, you know, yell at me and say, no, no, it's not true. Meanwhile, I will tell you this. Most dogs, since I've never, ever had a dog that had the sensitivity to grapes. And every one of my dogs up until recently, when I stopped doing it, have I been throwing catch. That's how I taught, teach my dog to catch. Sit, sit. Good boy. Good boy. Huh, toss raisin there. And they're going after it. And they catch it almost all the time. That's good. So um, never had a problem. Okay, next up, lastly, xylitol. 
Xylitol is a real biggie as well. Xylitol is that artificial sweetener that goes into gums and sugarless gum, sugarless candies, sugarless peanut butter. How often do people take a little, give a meds for their pet, they stick in peanut butter. That's great. So they're on a diet and maybe the dog should be, who knows, but they're on a diet. So they buy sugar-free peanut butter. That's sweetened with xylitol. Guess what? Very, very dangerous. Here Now what happens here is it causes a sudden lowering of sugar. It stimulates because it's still a sweetener. So it still stimulates the pancreas to secrete insulin. What does insulin do? Insulin tells the blood that we need to get the sugar in the blood into the cells. So the cells are getting all the sugar like quickly, leaving the dog hypoglycemic, low blood sugar. So weakness, decreased activity, staggering, incoordination, seizures, collapse, all the things you get if you are very, very, very low blood sugar. Very serious. So Basically, and this is important, a lot of times what we won't recommend, for example, I just had a dog that just ate 15 minutes ago, was acting totally fine, large breed. They gave her dog melatonin, five milligram melatonin. But if she read the ingredients, first ingredient, xylitol. Holy cow. So I tell her, how's the dog acting? So the dog being totally fine. I said, give it, let's induce vomiting. But if you have a dog that already is exhibiting the signs and then you induce vomiting, then you can actually make the hypoglycemia even worse. So you don't want to just jump, talk to your veterinarian, talk to a poison control. If you catch it really early before any signs kick in, yes, but do induce vomiting. But if it's over like an hour where you still may be some remnant in the stomach where normally vomiting would be a good idea, but in this case, it may not be a good idea. So if the dog is already showing signs, you may not want to induce vomiting again, check with your vet. But so that's why I'm saying, if you catch it early, then go for it. But typically for that, it's going to be hospitalization, fluids, dextrose. We got to feed the body some sugar. And interestingly, and this is, it's not really well understood. In very high doses, xylitol becomes a liver toxin. It can blow out the liver. So one of the things we do as we're treating even less lower cases, um, lower amounts for more of the hypoglycemia, we are also giving liver protectants at the same time, just in case, because towards the end of the disease is when we see the problems with the liver. So again, very, very serious, very toxic. So you want to have a couple of things at your disposal. Number one, a pet poison hotline. Number two, a telemedicine platform, AirVet is great because we have veterinarians 24-7 available to you, but you need to talk to somebody. Don't try to treat these by yourself and don't necessarily go online because the information you might get may not be accurate. So anyway, I hope uh, you learned something today. I feel good if I know I helped you in some way, shape or form. And um, uh, if you have any questions, either for Pet Life Radio or for my Instagram, send them to me during the week at drjeff at petliferadio.com. Once again, drjeff at petliferadio.com. Here on IG, you can find me. If you're here now, that means you already know who I am. Uh, you can send me a, a message, a personal message. I will respond. And if it's, it's something really good to talk about, which I'm sure it will be, I'd like to share it with everybody on my next show. Next week, Mark, just so you know, I did change my schedule. I'm going to WBC, Western Veterinary Conference next week, but I'm, I'm taking a later flight. So I will be here in the morning to do the show next week. And um, and that's about it. So if you have any questions, any of you who have veterinarians are going to uh, Western Veterinary Conference in Las Vegas, have them look me up. I'll be there Sunday through early Wednesday morning. I'll be back at work on Wednesday morning. For those of you who are my clients, I'll be out Monday and Tuesday, but I'll be back uh, Wednesday. I take a very early flight Wednesday morning, back in the office by 10 on Wednesday. So that does it here. 
this episode for Pet Life Radio and for my Instagram Live. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Those of you on IG Live, I will stick around for a little bit if you have any questions and um, we'll take it from there. So be well and see you next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.